0: Welcome to Uptempo Sports 24-7. And you know how we do on a Friday. We're trying to get you ready for the weekend, get you ready for any happy hour events that you may be attending, even under the COVID protocols. But before we can start partying, we need to talk about what's going on in sports. And that's what we're going to do here. And we're going to start in the NBA and give you a roundup of surprise picks in the NBA draft. Along with potential trades that still may be going on. So with that, let's get this party started here on Uptempo Sports 24-7. And we want to talk about what occurred in the NBA draft. That's right, folks. We have young men walking into the NBA, walking into millions of dollars. These organizations trusting that the draft picks that they made on... Wednesday night will be game changers for their organization. Let's start right at the top of the draft with the Minnesota Timberwolves taking Anthony Edwards two guard from the University of Georgia. There was speculation leading up to this pick that either Minnesota was going to try to trade it or there was a possibility that they were looking at LaMelo Ball. I never thought LaMelo Ball was going to be a fit with car anthony towns and d'angelo russell more so because they already had a point guard in d'angelo russell who was ball dominant and so they went in a direction which i felt like they could only go if they didn't trade this pick which was to go get a score anthony edwards big bodied nba body six five two guard who can score go to the basket he has the length to be a good defender but he'll have to be shown the way. And that's what good coaching would do to teach him how to be a good defender at this level. You have so many people talking about a statement that this young man made about the fact that he doesn't watch basketball. He watches football. Well, the kid started out early in his career as a football player. He was, a you know, you see him. He's a big guy. Just because he doesn't come out and say that he doesn't watch Basketball doesn't mean that he can't love the game. And and just because he doesn't come out and tell you that he loves the game doesn't mean that he loves it. Does he that that he does not love it? And people get caught up and play on words. I believe this kid knows exactly what he has to do and what he will do. He's overcome so much in a short period of time at an early age. He lost both his grandmother and his mother to that hideous disease that we call cancer and for him to get to this point where he is without that supporting cast from his mom and his grandmother to see him at this point is remarkable within itself I believe the sky's the limit for this young man I think that he is going to be an exceptional player he has all-star potential written all over him and again coaching is going to have to play a big part not just with him but with all these young players that are coming into the league. So I wish him nothing but the best, along with the rest of these players that we're going to talk about. And number two, we go to the Golden State Warriors, and Golden State, at the number two pick, took James Wiseman. Again, we thought there may be another potential trade that be made at this position, especially after the news came down during the midst of the draft that all-star Klay Thompson had gotten injured. And then that injury we found out was that Klay Thompson will miss the 2021 NBA season due to an Achilles tear. Klay was just recovering from a torn ACL. And now we have this injury. So you wondered if Golden State would step away from going to get the young stud at center and maybe focus on someone like a LaMelo Ball who could run alongside with Steph Curry I still believe that getting James Wiseman will be a major investment in the long run they still they still needed a rim protector whether Clay was going to play or not they still needed that so that didn't change James Wiseman is a very natural athlete he is a bona fide rim protector and I believe that he will be one of those players that we'll be talking about In a few years, that could be a candidate for defensive player of the year. I think playing alongside of someone like a Draymond Green, who has won that title as defensive player of the year, can only help James Wiseman. I think James Wiseman will get better. I think being along in a system where Steve Kerr allows for flexibility with his players in regards to shooting, you'll see James Wiseman's game expand out to the perimeter, to the three-point line. Some of his uh, attributes and his intangibles remind you a little bit of a young Chris Bosh coming out of Georgia tech. Chris was definitely a better shooter than Wiseman is right now, but you see the potential that he has. He's left-handed. So that, that kind of gives you the reason why the comparison is made to Chris Bosh, but I'm not going to sit here and say that this kid is going to be the next Chris Bosh. I think that's too much to put on his plate. We know Chris Bosh was a fide star in the NBA and James Wiseman is going to have to, you know, make his own trail through the NBA. But I still think this pick was a pick that needed to be made. And I think that in the long run, like I said, James Wiseman will be a player that we'll be talking about for years to come. We leave Golden State and we go to the Charlotte Hornets at number three. And we talk about LaMelo Ball being the third pick. Now, a lot of Draft pundits had LaMelo Ball possibly going one. We talked about the fit in Minnesota. This is not a bad pick for Michael Jordan. Small market team in Charlotte, hard to get star players to come to that team. So why not, if you're in a position to draft one, draft one. Everybody thinks that LaMelo Ball has the highest ceiling in this draft. I'm not sure. Do I believe that he can be a really good player in this league? Absolutely. Kid is 6'7", handles the ball like a yo-yo on a string. What my question with him is, can he get better as a shooter? That's what I'm looking for. He has an odd shot just like his brother Lonzo. I think he's a better athlete than his brother Lonzo. The question is, can he become the defender that his brother Lonzo is with the Pelicans. That's one thing that Lonzo is. He is a bona fide defensive player. And we just wonder if Lamelo can hone his skills to want to play defense because defense is a want. It's just like rebound. It's you wanting to do it. It's not a skill set per se. It's an effort. It's an effort that you put forth to want to. It's a want to. It's an effort that you want to go get a rebound that you want to stop the man in front of you. That's effort. And again, like I've said from the top of this opening venue, that all these kids are going to need to be coached up. I should say all these young men, not kids. All these young men are going to need to be coached up. LaMelo Ball playing alongside Devontae Graham, who I thought should have been the most improved player last year, the guard out of Kansas. Now you have to figure out how you're going to do your rotation with Terry Rozier. Rozier. Remember he got kind of supplemented by Devonte Graham last year. And I think with miles bridges, PJ Washington, I think they have some core pieces here. And then don't forget, you know, we'll have to see how, um, Vernon Curry jr. Develops. You know, he has an old school big man game, so we'll see how he develops in the league. But, once fans are able to come back to the arenas, I think LaMelo Ball will put seats, will put fans in the seats, I should say. He will put fans in the seats once fans are able to get back to the arenas. Let's go to pick number four, which this one was kind of a head-scratcher for me. Because at pick number four, I actually had the Chicago Bulls taking Denny Abijay, the young man from Israel the 6'9 point forward. I thought they would look at him. Um, or I had them taking the big man from USC. I did not have them taking Patrick Williams, the small forward from Florida State University. Patrick Williams, remember, was the sixth man for Florida State last year. He didn't even start. And to my recollection, my recollection he is... The to me the only the second player since Marvin Williams Marvin Williams of University of North Carolina to be a six man that goes in the top ten of the lottery. Remember when Marvin Williams came out of North Carolina in two thousand five, he was Atlanta's. He was the number two pick by the Atlanta Hawks. He's had a good career. He wasn't a star. He wasn't a superstar. But he was a really nice fit in the league. I don't know what Patrick Williams' ceiling is. um, From all indications, so many scouts really liked what his potential is. And when you draft most of these players, it is based on potential. Because we can always look at a player and think or speculate what they may turn out to be. But we really don't know. We're just, just like the organizations. We're just waiting to see what their growth is how they uh, segue to the league, what their work ethic ethic is. And so we really just don't know. But I just found it really interesting to see that a kid who didn't even start ends up being a top 10 pick at number four, Patrick Williams from Florida State, slides in. Does he come in and take over the spot um, at the small forward? You know, they have Wendell Carter at the power forward spot. Zach Levine's your two. Uh, Kobe White should be your one. Um, Marketing should be probably your five. He's a stretch five. Um, So it's just going to be interesting to see how Billy Donovan does with this young unit that he's going to present. I still keep hearing... Rumors about Zach Levine being moved. I just do not understand why Chicago would ever think about parting ways with a young man who's only 25 years old with the talent that Zach Levine possesses. I'm just not sure why his name keeps coming up in trades. But if he does get moved, whoever receives him is going to be happy because Zach Levine is fully healthy now and he is balling. He balled out last year. He is going to continue to be one of the top tier players in this league if I'm Chicago you need to think about not even taking any phone calls when it comes to Zach Levine let's move on to number five and the Cleveland Cavaliers at this pick I thought Cleveland would take someone like a Obi Toppin the uh, player of the year in college basketball last year but instead they took Isaac Okoro the small forward from Auburn University. We believe that Okoro is probably the best defender in regards to uh, forwards, and pretty much he's an on-ball defender for any position from the one through the five. But definitely, if you're talking about defending uh, power forward, small forwards, and even potentially some fives, he's that guy. He's super athletic. My problem with him is that he's not a bona fide scorer. And with this Cleveland team, I know they're guard heavy, but they need someone from the small forward spot that can score as well. I believe that Kevin Love at some point during the season will be moved, probably maybe to a team that's contending for a playoff spot that needs a power forward that can get them double digits in rebounds and scoring. So I believe that at some point, Kevin Love will be moved. But I thought this was an interesting pick for Cleveland. They already have a rim protector as Andre Drummond opted back in to that almost $28 million contract. Who wouldn't do that? Um, But this was an interesting pick. Like I said, I thought maybe they would have gone for somebody that could give them more offense at the forward spot. But you always need a defender in the league. So not a bad pick. This kid is, uh, like I said, he's really athletic. He appears to be a hard worker, and you can always get better as a scorer. So we'll see what he does. We know he can go to the rim. That's not a problem, and he's not afraid of the moment. We've seen that in the NCAA tournament. So it's going to be interesting to see, you know, the trajectory of his career. We go to pick number six, and to me this is where it got interesting um, in the draft because I had the Hawks possibly taking Tyrese Halliburton because that's all you kept hearing about was that they wanted to get another a bigger guard to go alongside Trey Young. And so we thought that Tyrese Holliburton would be the perfect fit because that's what they kept telling us. Instead, the Hawks went big and they took Onyeke Akua from USC, the big man. Now, I find this odd because they traded for clint capella last year so i'm trying to figure out where they what are they doing with this they had john collins at power forward the young stud from uh they drafted a few years ago from georgia tech already there and you know we know they have a rash of small forwards uh cam reddish um then they have um kevin Herder at two at the two guard and then the small forward they drafted last year um, in the lottery, the young man, um, Mr. Hunter from the University of Virginia. So we know they have small forwards. So I don't think that um, they can get this young man from USC to play the power forward. He, to me, is a straight five. We know that they're possibly looking at Gordon Hayward um, in a sign-and-trade or just I think Gordon Hayward is going to opt out of his contract with the Boston Celtics, which means that he will become a free agent and Atlanta can make a move for him. Now, do you put Gordon Hayward at the five? I mean, I'm sorry, you put Gordon Hayward at the four, at the power forward spot, and then him try to be the experienced player to help these young players that they have because they have a really young team down in Atlanta. But it's going to be interesting to see how they do this, um, how they make this move. But we're going to slide from Atlanta and we're going to go to pick number seven and the Detroit Pistons who at this particular point, they need a bevy of players. I had Patrick Williams, the player that we talked about that was picked by the Bulls at number four. I had him possibly going here, and if and if they didn't take him, they needed a point guard, and I had them possibly taking Tyrese Halliburton. I was wrong on both cases. Well, I wasn't wrong from the standpoint that they took a point guard. They just didn't take the point guard that I thought they would take. Killian Hayes, the young point guard from France, is what— The Pistons opted to go with at pick number seven. This kid was mentored by the point guard from San Antonio, one Mr. Tony Parker. He played for Tony Parker's team over in France um, and they won a championship. So you know that he has that DNA in regards to having played with a potential Hall of Famer and learning his craft from him. But I just thought because of his size that they would have gone with someone like a Tyrese Halliburton since he was still there for the taking. But Killian Hayes is not bad, folks. He's six he's five. He appears to be a really smart player. He can shoot the ball. Um, he's going to have to get a little bit thicker um, to take that pounding going to the basket. But again, like I said, from the get-go, all these players are going to need coaching. So we go to pick number eight. And this is the pick that I don't think any of us saw. I thought Obi Toppin was going to be gone already. I thought he would have been drafted at five to Cleveland. And at worst case scenario, um, could have gone to maybe even the Pistons. But he slides down to the Knicks, and the Knicks were ecstatic. Um, kind of surprised at this pick, too, because, again, we thought the Knicks were good when looking for a point guard and keep throwing his name up. But I thought that Tyrese Halliburton, once again, thought this would, could, would be a perfect landing spot for him. I understand the pick with OB Toppin. The young man is from Brooklyn, New York. Um, once again, once they're able to get fans into the arenas, he should be able to be a must-see TV. He led the NCAA last year in scoring. He set the record in the NCAA for the most dunks in a season, 107. He's gotten better every year. He has some of the qualities of a young Amari Stoudemire. Uh, I think he has definitely has a better jump shot than Amari Stoudemire did at this particular point when he was coming out. Um so it's going to be interesting to see how New York does this. They have a plethora of forwards already. So they're going to have to make up their mind about who they're going to keep and who are they going to possibly waive. Um, remember, they have um, R.J. Byrd from last year. He's a 2-3. Obi Topin, probably you can slide him at the 3-4. Um, he's going to have to get better as a defender. He has the length to be a good defender. He's going to get better as a defender. But there's no question this young man can fill it up, and I don't think he's afraid of the moment either. I would have loved for us to be able to see him in the NCAA tournament um, last year, but because of COVID, of course, you know that college basketball got, shot, got shut down right before the tournament would have started. So we get an opportunity to see this young man early on in his NBA career and see how he does. They always say it's hard to go back home and play in front of your home home fans your home team but this kid you could just see the excitement um through the virtual draft of how much it meant to him that his home team took a chance on him and made him the number eight pick in the draft so we wish him nothing but the best we go to number nine and we look at the washington wizards trying to figure out what they were going to do early on we heard speculation that maybe. The Wizards were talking with the Houston Rockets for a John Wall, for a Russell Westbrook trade. Um, maybe that was his talks. That's, nothing has transpired. We don't know if anything will transpire. But the Wizards at number nine took Denny Avajay. That is the young man from Israel. 6'9", could be a point forward. This was the, the guy that I had the Chicago Bulls taking at number four when I did my mock draft. From all indications, Chicago liked this young man, and he was liked by a lot of teams. And for the Wizards, I felt like they needed somebody that can come in and help them in scoring. Uh, we know Bradley Bill is a monster. He is a uh, perennial. Uh, he's beyond an all-star now. I think you have to put Bradley Bill in the category of being a superstar. Um, that's what I'm going to label him as. And so we don't know how um, John Wall is going to be. When he comes back, from all indications, they say that John Wall is completely healthy now. So we hope that is the truth. But they do need a, another score on this Washington Wizards team. And if this young man can come in, he's going to have to gain some weight. But if he can come in and he can give them uh, much-needed help at the 3-4, that would be um, great for this organization because they're still trying to find their identity and still trying to add pieces to go around um, one Bradley Beal then we move to pick number 10 in the draft and this is where I definitely was scratching my head the Phoenix Sun sitting at number 10 we already know Phoenix had already made a big trade um, early on in the week with the OKC Thunder to get the services of one Chris Paul and so we now were wondering what they were going to do At number 10, would they draft a backup point guard for the future? Or what direction were they going to go in? Well, we found out real quick. They went to get another big. The big that they drafted was a surprise pick to me. Jalen Smith, Sticks, from the University of Maryland, was their pick at number 10. I really don't believe that anybody, unless you were just a Maryland fan, I don't believe anybody had Jalen Smith going in the lottery. You might have had him going late in the first round, but a lottery pick, I did not see this coming, folks. Jalen Smith is a really good ball player. He's solid. He has a uh, really nice jump shot. He has the length to be a good defender. I haven't really seen what he can do putting the ball on the floor. I think that's part of his game that he's going to have to definitely work on to get better, but um, from a standpoint of talent, the kid has talent. I just don't know. I just think when you're drafting this high in a draft, I believe that the kid has to be a game changer. And if he's not a game changer, then I don't draft him in the lottery. So we'll just have to see how this pans out. Yes, folks, Jalen Smith, like I said, he, to me, is more of a project type of a player. But we'll we'll find out. You know, he has a good coaching staff with Monty Williams. He has um, a leader and someone that will definitely help him get better in somebody like a Chris Paul, and they have a fide star in Devin Booker. So it's going to be interesting to see how they use Jalen Smith and where they're going to put him. I'm assuming he's going to be a four. Maybe they'll try to use him at some point, sometimes at a five, to back up um, DeAndre Ayton. But like I said, I was surprised that he went this high in the draft. If he had went... You know, a little further down in the first round, I definitely would have understood it. But somebody knows a little bit more than I do. So we're, we're just going to keep an eye on see how this young man develops. Now, speaking of this draft and free agency, there's a lot of moving parts here because we told you that Klay Thompson is going to miss the season. And we also told you that in the trade for 1CP3, the Phoenix Suns traded Kelly Oubre to OKC. Now we're learning that the Thunder have traded with Golden State, and Golden State now will have Kelly Oubre. I think this was a savvy move by the Golden State Warriors organization. And I say that because you have a young player in Kelly Oubre who had his best season this past year, averaging almost 19 points a game. Not only that, but he's going to be super motivated for this season because he's in the last year of his contract he's entering last year of his rookie deal so he's going to be motivated for a new contract and golden state gets a player that if at the end of the season he is not the kid or the player that they thought he could be they can just let him walk or they can kind of do like what happened with d'angelo russell if in the midst of the season they don't see him fitting into their culture Or the way that they're doing things, they can also, at that particular point, try to find a trading partner at that point. So, this is a win win for Phoenix, and it's also a win I'm sorry, this is a win win for Golden State, and it's also a win for Kelly Oubre because I believe that the offense with Steve Kerr and Golden State being so wide open and Kelly being such a good athlete is only going to expand his game. And make him um, a really good player. And, in just, um, and from the standpoint of him building on the season that he just had. Playing alongside Draymond Green is going to help him become a better defender. He has the length definitely to be a good defender. And then you have James Wiseman in the middle. I think this is a good fit for him. I, I think Kelly will thrive in this system. So I like this move for Golden State. Then we have... Milwaukee, we told you about Milwaukee in the trade today, were attempting to make, to get one Bogdanovich, the three-point catalyst, three-point shooter from Sacramento. That trade did not happen because Bogdanovich never signed off as a free agent with the Kings. And this goes back to what we always talk about, folks, with these organizations and the organizations that thrive because they are well put together, and then the organizations that are a laughing stock. And this goes to show you that Sacramento, everybody's now on the same page because before you pull the trigger to get the players in a trade that you were making with Milwaukee, let's make sure that the player that they want is on board to get traded. McDonoughich never signed his paperwork. He wants to test the free agent market. So this trade fell through. Now the league is investigating whatever improprieties that may have gone on prior to this potential trade being made. To me, if I'm Bogdanovich, now you have a chance to pick where you want to go. We're hearing that teams like the Atlanta Hawks, Atlanta has money, are looking at him as well as the current NBA champion Lakers. I said this last summer that I thought that Bogdanovich was a player that the Lakers should have been looking at last year because he does for them what they don't currently have, which is a player who can shoot the lights out. That's why I said last summer I thought someone like a J.J. Redick would have been perfect in a system with LeBron and Anthony Davis. But I think Bogdanovich, he has size, he can put the ball on the floor, and he definitely can shoot from the outside. I think if the Lakers can make a move to get him, this would be great for the Lakers. Add him along with what they've already done with Dennis Schroeder, and the Lakers, folks, are going to be just fine to defend that title in the West. We'll keep an eye on this as well because free agency starts this evening, technically, at around 6 o'clock. So we'll be talking more about free the landscape of free agency as we hear more about what players are going to opt out of their contracts. We know that Rondo's already opted out. Caldwell Pope has opted out. Now we hear that Avery Bradley has opted out. He came out and said he wanted to stay with the Lakers, but he's trying to get some security. He only had one year left on his Lakers deal. He's looking for a two- or three-year contract. Can't blame him. Um, so now he's opted out. We don't know if the Lakers are going to you know, bring him back based on who they may Go want to go after with their um, veteran exemption, so we'll see how the money flows for the Lakers. We remember that AD has already opted out, and they're going to have to give him a new deal. It's just a matter of how many years he's going to sign for a max deal with the Lakers. But we all believe that that's just a no brainer that he will be returning to the purple and gold. A lot of things going on, a lot of interesting moves in the NBA. So. Get your popcorn ready because it's going to be very interesting to see how everything flows. We're going to step away for a second, take a small commercial break, and when we return, we're going to talk about, of course, the NFL, week number 11 in the NFL, right here on Uptempo Sports 24-7 with your host, Coach P. Thank you for tuning in. That's right, folks. You know what that music means. It means we're ready to talk about the NFL week number 11. So let's get it. And we start off talking about the Arizona Cardinals and the Seattle Seahawks in the NFC West. That was our Thursday night game. I had Seattle in this game and Seattle Was able to bounce back after two straight losses. Russell Wilson looked more like Russell Wilson last night. No turnovers for Russell. Balanced offense. They were able to get almost 80 yards rushing on the ground from Carlos Hyde. And the addition of one Carlos Dunlap from Cincinnati. The defensive end that they picked up um, at the trade deadline came and... He cashed that check last night because his defense of effort on that fourth down play, fourth and ten, when Arizona was trying to get the tying touchdown, he got in the backfield, sacked one Kyler Murray, and that closed the door on Arizona's attempt to tie, potentially tie this game and maybe send it into overtime. And Seattle now goes to seven and three. And Arizona sits at six and four, and Seattle regains first place in the NFC West. So we're gonna to go to Sunday's lineup in the NFL. We're gonna start in Washington D.C. The Washington Football Team, now being led by quarterback Alex Smith, sit at two and seven versus the two six and one Cincinnati Bengals. Cincinnati coming off a thru- a thrubbing by the Pittsburgh Steelers last week. I thought Cincinnati. Maybe catch Pittsburgh sleeping, Um, but Pittsburgh showed up and showed out last week. I like Joe Burrow. I'm not sure if Joe Mixon will be available for the running game for Cincinnati this week. I think Gino Bernard can do some things against this Washington defense. I think Cincinnati is going to have to put more pressure on Alex Smith. Can't allow him to be comfortable early on. And I'm going with Cincinnati um, to win this week. I know Washington's defense has been their strong suit all year long i still believe that um washington needs upgrading on offense terry McLaurin is their really only big offensive weapon so cincinnati should just find a way to make sure they stop him and don't let anybody and find somebody else to beat them but i'm going to roll with the Bengals in this game to get their third win of the season and then we have the atlanta falcons coming off of a bye Going down to the bayou in New Orleans against the New Orleans Saints. New Orleans playing their first game of the year without their quarterback. One Drew Brees. Drew Brees. Wow, folks. Drew Brees was hammered last week in that victory in the Superdome last week. And now he will not be available for this game. San Francisco made sure of that. He had two broken ribs and a collapsed lung. So we're going to see who's going to be the future quarterback for the New Orleans Saints. We thought that we may get Jameis Winston as a starting quarterback this week, but now we find out that it will be Mr. Hill. All the money that they paid in the offseason for Mr. Hill As the potential front runner for the quarterback position when Drew Brees retires, we're going to see how that works because Taysom Hill will be the starting quarterback on Sunday afternoon against the Atlanta Falcons. It's not a bad move because this is the way I look at it. They made an investment in Taysom Hill thinking he could possibly be the starting quarterback. They didn't realize that they were going to have an opportunity to get someone like a Jameis Winston in the offseason. Now that they have Jameis, most of us thought that Jameis would be the starting quarterback this week and however long that Drew Brees would be out. But what New Orleans is doing, I think, is smart. You take a look at Taysom Hill. If he can't move this team and he can't be your quarterback of the future going forward, you know that you potentially have that guy in Jameis Winston. I don't think you can go from Jameis to Taysom Hill, but I do believe you can go from Taysom Hill to Jameis. Jameis is the more natural quarterback, the more natural passer, the better arm. Taysom Hill is your jack-of-all-trades, master of none. So we just want to see if he can actually run an offense for a complete game. And if he can, then maybe there won't be any kind of quarterback controversy moving forward. And maybe you do actually have... Your quarterback in the, for the future if you're the Saints. And if he can't, you do know that Jameis Winston is sitting on the sidelines, and we know what Jameis can do when he doesn't turn the ball over. We know what type of arm he has when he's in a system like this with Sean Payton that he can get the job done. So we'll, it's going to be interesting and intriguing to see how New Orleans runs this offense and how many. Uh, runs for the quarterback RPOs that they call for Taysom Hill and how many chances we get to see him try to throw the ball downfield. But I like New Orleans in this game. We go to Jacksonville where the Pittsburgh Steelers, still the only undefeated team in the NFL at 9-0, taking on the 1-8 Jacksonville Jaguars. I love Mike Tomlin. Mike Tomlin came out this week and said, this is not the Big Ten and we're not playing a MAC team. Basically, what he was saying is, folks, we're not going to sleep on what Jacksonville can do. We're going to come out here and handle our business. I think that they got a little bit of a scare two weeks ago when they played Dallas, because like I said, last week against Cincinnati, they punished Cincinnati. There was not even a chance for Cincinnati to even have a chance in that game. I think they'll do the same thing to Jacksonville this week. I don't see them looking past Jacksonville. I know that they have Baltimore coming up on their schedule for Thanksgiving. In Pittsburgh, I still don't believe that they'll look past Jacksonville anticipating their matchup with their rival in their conference, the Baltimore Ravens. I think they'll come out and handle their business. Jacksonville has played well the last couple of weeks. Uh, They gave Green Bay a scare last week in Green Bay, of all places. I just don't believe that they have enough. Against this Pittsburgh defense, I think they'll still get crushed by Pittsburgh. And so now we'll move on to Houston. The New England Patriots getting a big win against the Baltimore Ravens last week. Now go to Houston and Bill Belichick taking on um, the Houston, Texas and Deshaun Watson. And one of his former coaches, Romeo Cornell. Cam Newton looked like Cam Newton last week. But they still don't have enough weapons, and I just believe that although Deshaun has a better better receiving core than the Patriots, I still think that Bill Belichick will find a way for his defense to be creative enough to stop Deshaun Watson, and I see New England being able to go to get to five hundred and to go five and five, and send Houston to two and eight. We go to Cleveland. Where the Cleveland Browns are hosting the three five one Philadelphia Eagles Cleveland sitting at six and three, Cleveland will be out the, will be without the services of one of the premier defensive players in the league and their their best player defensively, Miles Garrett. He has contracted the COVID-19 virus. He will not be available for this game, but they did get the return of their number one running back Nick Chubb last week. And it makes a difference in this running game. No slight to Kareem Hunt because he is a really good back, but Nick Chubb is a difference maker. And that's what Baker Mayfield is going to need if they're going to beat this Philadelphia Eagles team. Philadelphia not looking very good the last few times we've seen them play. Carson Wentz has been a turnover machine. They got beat pretty handily last week against the New York Giants. That division... In the NFC East, it's still up for grabs. And right now, to me, the Giants are on a bye this week. They are the team right now. If I had to, unfortunately, had to pick a team in that division, it would be the Giants. They're playing the best and most consistent of all the teams in the division, including Washington and my team, the Cowboys. Philadelphia, this is a desperation game for them. I still think that Cleveland should be able to win this game and not have to rely on Baker Mayfield because they should be able to run the ball with Nick Chubb. So I'm going to go with Cleveland, even though um, without Miles Garrett, this is going to be a tough game for their defense. Then we go to Carolina where the Detroit Lions came, coming off of a big win at home that they almost gave away to the Washington football team last week, taking on the Carolina Panthers. Carolina, not sure about the services of one Teddy Bridgewater. We do know that Christian McCaffrey, will be out this game with that lingering shoulder injury. Not sure about um, their quarterback, Teddy Bridgewater. And that's one of the reasons why I'm rolling with the Detroit Lions. I don't trust Detroit. I can't stand Matt Patricia. I think he's one of the worst coaches in the league. I still don't know why he still has a job. But um, Matthew Stafford is a soldier Uh, coming into this game. uh, We're not sure how healthy he's going to be. He has a, I think, torn ligament in his thumb, but he's going to give it give it a try. I'm going to go with Detroit. They may have found something in their young running back, uh, DeAndre Swift, last week, too. He had a nice game um, at home last week. Let's see if that can carry over into this week against Carolina. So I'm going to roll with the Lions in this game. Then we have one of the top games for week number 11, and that will be taking place in Baltimore where the Baltimore Ravens, coming off of a To me, an embarrassing loss. And if New England was New England, I would say it wouldn't be embarrassing. But considering the weapons that they don't have in New England, considering that they're not playing with a full deck in New England, I just can't believe that the Ravens went to New England, even in that rain, and played as bad as they did. Now, Lamar didn't play that bad. But the number of turnovers, the, the number of mistakes that was made in that game, was the reason why Baltimore lost their game. And they're coming in at home taking on the Tennessee Titans. Tennessee last time we saw them, their special teams was atrocious as they lost to a division rival the Indianapolis Colts. And in a game would look like that they had full control of in the blink of an eye, their special teams cost them 14 points. And now you have to wonder if they can get that running game back into sync and if um, they can go on the road now and get a big win. We know last year in the playoffs, Ryan Tannehill and this Tennessee offense brutalized Baltimore's defense. Baltimore is going to be without two of their biggest players on the defensive line. Um, Clares Campbell and Brian Williams won't be there. Um so I don't know how they're going to stop this running game. I think that you'll see heavy dosage of Derrick Henry all day against Baltimore. And then maybe play action pass with Ryan Tannehill. I'm rolling with the Titans. After what I saw with Baltimore being out physical by a lesser New England Patriots team last week, I'm going to roll with the Titans to get back into the winner's circle and get a big win on the road at Baltimore. Then we have the 0 for Jets, the 0 9 Jets against the most disappointing team I think in the league, the LA Chargers. Wasting the efforts of their young rookie quarterback, Justin Herbert, are the Chargers. Another coach that I think will definitely be fired at the end of the season, Anthony Lynn. They've lost too many games, too many, too many close games at the end. That's just coaching, folks, because their rookie quarterback has curried him on his back. So it's not his fault. Um, and if they lose this game to the Jets, you need to fire him after the game. That is Coach Anthony Lynn. I believe that the Chargers will be able to get this game. The Jets at this particular point, why are you even trying to put up a fight? Just go ahead, continue to lose, get that number one pick, draft potentially who could be your quarterback for the future and Trevor Lawrence if he comes out at Clemson and then move on from um, your current quarterback situation and try to see if you can get some picks for him. But, yeah, I like the Chargers in this game. Then we go to the Mile High City, the Denver Broncos hosting the most improved team in 2020, the Miami Dolphins, who are sitting at 6-3. Miami coming off of a big win last week against the Chargers. Led by their defense. I'm not even going to say led by their young quarterback, Tua Tagovailoa, because he's not had to carry this team yet. It's the defense and the special teams that have carried him. But Tua is making his fourth start, and he can become the only the second quarterback in NFL history to start out 4-0 and in the last 40 years. The only other quarterback to... Have that feet met was Big Ben um, when he started out 13-0 in his rookie season with the Pittsburgh Steelers back in 2004. So I'm going to um, definitely go with Miami in this game. Denver, I think they will be on the market looking for a quarterback. We thought maybe they had found some magic in Drew Locke. He has not looked apart the last few weeks, and I think that they'll be looking for a quarterback in the offseason. Miami they're right on the heels of the Buffalo Bills and Buffalo again is on a bye this week after coming off of a tough loss last week on the road against Arizona Miami has a chance to tie the Bills for the best record in the AFC East and get ready for a battle for first place then we go to Minnesota Minnesota where the Minnesota Vikings will be hosting the Dallas Cowboys. Dallas coming off of a bye. We'll see the services of one Andy Dalton back at the quarterback position after he has um, reportedly recovered from his COVID-19 scare. Minnesota, with the best running back currently in the NFL and one Dalvin Cook, got a big win on the road, and so did Kirk Cousins on a Monday night game. You know, Kirk, that is not his formula on Monday night to be a winner but he pulled it off last week in Chicago. And so now Minnesota at 4-5 and five is trying to see if they can right the ship to get to 500 and can try to see if they can sneak in the back door to try to get a playoff spot. Dallas at 2-7 and seven still has an outside chance of still competing in the NFC worst division. I just don't think that they have enough defensively to stop Dalvin Cook the running games of most teams this year have definitely been Dallas' Achilles heel. We don't know how efficient that Andy Dalton's going to look. We thought that maybe Dallas would stick with the hot hand, Garrett Gilbert, after what he looked like against Pittsburgh. They're going back to the veteran Andy Dalton. Andy Dalton is basically com- <clears throat> auditioning for a job in the offseason. So To me, these last games of the year, Andy Dalton needs to put his best work on film because I don't think that he'll be back in Dallas next year as a backup um, to the Cowboys. So I believe that Andy Dalton needs to do all he can, win, lose, or draw to put on, to put good film out there. But I think Dallas, unfortunately will take another loss um, in this game. I think Minnesota just has too much balance both um, with the running game and their passing game. And I think that they will beat the Cowboys and Dallas, again, was out the services of the best corner. Um, Trayvon Diggs, the young rookie from Alabama, who's out for the rest of the season due to a fractured foot. So we'll see Adam Thielen and the young rookie Justin Jefferson probably having a field day along with uh, Dalvin Cook in this game. And then we go to Indianapolis for one another one of the biggest games of the day. The Indianapolis Colts is 6-3. and three taking on the 7-2 Green Bay Packers. Green Bay coming off of a scare at home last week against the, of all teams, the Jacksonville Jaguars. Indianapolis and an impressive win on the road against their AFC South rivals, the Tennessee Titans. I like Indy's defense in this game. They're going to have to be aware of Devontae Adams. He is the catalyst for the Green Bay passing attack. Aaron Jones should be a little bit healthier this week. Green Bay has a nice running game. They have balance. But I like Indy's defense. I like the way that Phillip Rivers played on the road last week. He was efficient. They got better production in their running game. No turnovers in the running game last week. I'm going to roll with Indy's defense and for them to get a big win at home against the Green Bay Packers. And then we have the Kansas City Chiefs at 8-1 going against their AFC West rivals the Las Vegas Raiders sitting at 6-3. Vegas has been the surprise of the season. It's like we talked about Miami. Vegas has been the surprise of the season as well. John Gruden has done a remarkable job with this team. Their defense is their Achilles heel. The offense and the running game has been efficient along with Derek Carr. But Kansas City only has one loss on their record, and that was to the Raiders. You better believe that Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes, and that offense is going to get their return victory in this second matchup. On top of that, um, I understand that after the Vegas Raiders beat Kansas City in Kansas City the first time around, they kind of like um, poked the bear, let's say, kind of agitated with their celebration antics after the game. I think Kansas City. We know how Andy Reid is coming off of a bye. He's damn near perfect. I think Kansas City, Patrick Mahomes, uh, the Cheetah, Tyreek Hill, they're going to um, get their vengeance back. I look for Kansas City to blow the to blow the Raiders out. The Raiders are also dealing with some COVID issues as well on defense, so they may be limited with the number of players that they have available. But even if that wasn't the case, I still think Kansas City would be taking the Raiders out and I'm going with the Chiefs big in this game and then Monday night we have a potential playoff game because the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are hosting the LA Rams Tampa Bay sitting at uh, 7-3 and the Rams sitting at 6-3 and the Rams coming off an impressive win at home last week against the Seattle Seahawks go into Tampa a little banged up their best uh, offensive lineman Andre Whitworth, the left tackle, could be out for the rest of the season. He's definitely out for this game. So I think that's going to be a problem when you're talking about that defensive line for um, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Rams, although they have balance on offense. Tampa Bay got their groove back last week against the Carolina Panthers. They um, saw that. If they rely on the running game, that opens it up more so for Tom Brady and that passing game as Ronald Jones went for over 100 yards. And that is the formula for Tampa. Run the ball and then let Tom Brady play action pass, and you get the best of both worlds. I'm going to roll with the home team in this game, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, to get a big victory at home. Your boy went 9 and five last week in his picks. Not bad. Not could have been a little bit better, but not bad. We're gonna take a quick drive down to the college football lane. We had some games that were canceled again due to COVID. Uh two back-to-back weeks where the Maryland Terrapins had to cancel games. Last week it was because um players on the Maryland uh, roster had COVID, and then this week their head coach Mike Loxley, unfortunately, he came down with the COVID, and so they had to cancel their game this week against Michigan State, which will not be made up. We had a cup. We have a couple of big games coming up this week in college football. The undefeated Indiana Hughes- Hoosers taking on the Ohio State Buc- Buckeyes. When did you ever think you'd be talking about Indiana football being undefeated? But that's what we're talking about right now in the Big Ten. So Indiana has a date with Ohio State. We have uh, OK State against Oklahoma, the Balaam. And then we have Wisconsin versus an undefeated Northwestern team. When is the last time you talked about Northwestern being undefeated? So those are the headliner games for this coming weekend in college football. Um, again, folks, we we don't know how soon that this uh, vaccine for the coronavirus will be in place. We're just asking everybody to stay safe, as you're seeing that it's really hitting hard across the states and across the country. Every time we we look up now, you're hearing about so many cases of this virus taking hold. So we're asking everybody to do their best to stay safe and remember that there's others. You know, even if you say that you don't want to wear a mask, just remember your neighbors may have some health issues. Um, and so it's, it's, it's for all of us to try to follow these protocols. It's not trying to punish anybody. It's for all of us to follow these protocols so that we can get back. To having some form of normalcy so that we can get back as fans and be able to attend these games, whether it's football, whether it's basketball, just being able to walk around and breathe freely without having to have the restrictions of a mask. That's what we're looking to try to receive. It's um, just going to be a great weekend full of sports. We hope that you enjoy and take advantage of it. Should be a great weekend weather wise at least here in the D.C., Maryland area, as they're calling for 60-degree temperatures um, for this weekend. So we just hope that everybody has a great weekend, a great sports weekend, and we hope that everybody stays safe. And as we always say and always always do before we depart, it's always what, folks? Same bat time, same bat channel. Thank you for tuning in. Check us out on anchor.com. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. Until the next time, peace.